This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Nationalism is a bit of a half-baked notion. Governments, after all, can be very, very wrong. And supporting your government, right or wrong, that nationalist impulse broadly adopted can lead large groups of people down some very dark paths. Cato's Alex Narasta details a recent debate on the subject of nationalism and why he's against it. When people who fancy themselves nationalists, when people uh, who want us to be nationalists too, to wave the flag uh, in a big way, what? Are, how do they characterize nationalism? What What is their idealized vision of it? Give us the the good picture that they want us to see. A lot of nationalists, such as Rich Lowry at National Review, writes that nationalism is an ideology that brings Americans together, that it is a feeling of national belonging based on culture, based on language, based on history, that prompts us to act collectively for the benefit of the greater good, for the benefit of the state, and for the benefit of American society, and that policies that seek to bring us together, such as more homogeneous uh, enhancing policies uh, regarding immigration, regarding language, regarding culture, should be pushed by the government in order to try to create this model, ideal, cohesive society that they believe will make us a a richer uh, country and a better country, a more sort of American country. Where do nationalists tend to come down on things like immigration? Uh, Because people who tend to oppose immigration often point to, well, this will be a cultural disruption. And of course, the United States has had massive waves of immigration in the past. uh, And yet uh, it seems that where America is now, nationalists seem to be pretty happy with in terms of the culture. Nationalists generally believe that immigration is a destabilizing uh, anti-nationalist program, that uh, immigrants reduce the amount of nationalism, reduce solidarity by introducing heterogeneity into the population, by increasing diversity in the population. And as a result, they're generally opposed to it. There have been nationalists in the past who have supported immigration for national reasons because they think like an increasing population, for instance, will be uh, beneficial to the United States. But right now in the current political zeitgeist, nationalists are overwhelmingly opposed to immigration. And if you were a nationalist in some other country, uh, that that may be fine. But if you're a nationalist in America and you represent uh, the interests of America and you believe in the cultural superiority of the United States of America, why wouldn't you want more people to experience that? And then add that to the, this notion of the United States being a melting pot where people bring their uh, cultures from around the world and they mix here in the U.S. and it improves, arguably, the uh, the nation of the United States of America. That seems to be part and parcel of supporting what America is. Uh, you'd think so. If, if it were just about prosperity and, say, the size of the United States and how successful it is, you'd think that nationalists would be supportive of immigration, doing things to increase you know, the size, power, influence, and prosperity of the country. But it's not really a a, an ideology like that. It's sort of this primitive proto 
um, ideology. It's basically my tribe best, your tribe bad. And that's basically where it ends. Uh, where we see, I think, ideology creep in is that an important part of all nationalisms is that there should be a very strong centralized state. This state should have control of all things within the country and uh, should push for good things. Uh, it's a pretty sort of utopian in that way, but it's also something that speaks very deeply, I think, to human nature and to human ideology. What's interesting is when you talk to American nationalists, the ideas are very different from when you talk to foreign nationalists. So like the Latin root of the word nationalism is natio, um, which means like a ethnic group or tribe, people with a common descent, which is just fundamentally alien, I think, to the American experience. As you mentioned, we're all the descendants of immigrants from different parts around the world who have blended together in this melting pot. There really is no coherent ethnic ideology that undergirds the existence of the United States or its legitimacy, uh, like there may be in a place like Denmark or Japan or other countries that can be fairly described as a nation state. So I think it's it's a very odd thing. If you're talking about nationalism as the ideology that you know there are different ethnic groups and that these different ethnic groups should be uh, represented by states that have their interests, well, that's fairly coherent. And that's what it means in almost all of the world. Uh, but American nationalists, of course, want to try to stay away from that because they know that it's one, not popular in the United States and two, pretty incoherent with our experiences and, and alien uh, to the United States uh, experience of us being a melting pot. So it's really trying to sort of introduce this uh, weird alien, mostly European, but also East Asian ideology into the American body politic that just doesn't fit here. So uh, you recently debated Rich Lowry of National Review on the subject of nationalism. His pitch was Americans should be nationalists. Your pitch was Americans should not. What was your what was your pitch? So my pitch was from the pr perspective of American traditional conservatives and libertarians, there are six large downsides to nationalism that uh, we should be very wary of. The first is that nationalism tends to increase centralized state power. Um, that that's a coherent portion of nationalist ide ideology across the world. The second effect of nationalism is that it tends to concentrate that state power in a single person, which is the leader of the government. This is because, you know, a nation is an abstraction of a bunch of different strangers and people, because of our psychology, we require a symbol or a totem to really rally behind. We, we need something a little personal. And usually the leader of the state uh, supplies that. The, cur uh, the third common effect of nationalism is more state control over the economy. Um, this is pretty clear if you think that the nation knows best then what the government does, uh, you know, the government knows best, and that results uh, overwhelmingly in increasing state control of the economy. The fourth effect of nationalism is more government control over the private lives of citizens and the central planning of culture. This is also related to the idea that the state knows best, that it knows which cultures are best, and it takes efforts to try to centrally plan and select culture um, that works best. Uh, or what they think works best for the government, uh, for, for the country as a whole. The fifth effect of nationalism is the glorification of militarism, war, and uh, to a lesser extent, hostility between nations uh, through trade wars and tearing up arms control treaties uh, for no good reason. Uh, nationalism really is a zero-sum uh, ideology in competition 
with other nations around the world. And then the sixth common effect of nationalism is often ethnic chauvinism and to a ex- disturbingly frequent extent, uh, other crimes against humanity committed against minorities who are viewed as not being uh, proper members of the nation. Now, you know, nationalists across the world don't do all of these things all the time, but they have a disturbingly large frequency of going in those directions. So one of the things that I mentioned in my debate with Rich is that communism is the um, totalitarian, authoritarian, utopian ideology of the left, and that nationalism is increasingly becoming the totalitarian, authoritarian ideology along the right. It's a utopian scheme of central planning that concentrates state powers and results in many of these downsides that I mentioned. With such large potential downsides to nationalism, uh, the benefits had better be uh, much greater to, to justify adopting such an ideology. But when I ask about the upsides, what we hear about things, we hear about things like vague feelings of belonging that will somehow lead to, to national greatness. And that payoff, which is mainly in the form of magic words, does not justify the potential downsides. You know, they're like the equivalent of asking a person to risk their life and property, material possessions for abstract feelings in the future that probably won't arise. And then one of the points that I always like to raise is, you know, Donald Trump, uh, President Donald Trump described himself as a nationalist. He wanted to bring Americans together. But is there any indication at all that American strangers felt more connected to each other uh, when we had a nationalist government in the United States? I think it is uh, just uh, just the opposite. I mean, nationalism is really a schismatic ideology that builds walls between different groups of people in the United States that says some are more American than others and then seeks to politically appeal uh, to those Americans uh, who it considers to be, you know, the the real Americans or the realer Americans and other groups of people. It's not a cohesive uh, ideology. It's a schismatic one uh, that tears it apart. And I think it's a big mistake for people on the right, especially in the United States, to embrace an ideology that is just ill-suited uh, to American conceptions of ideology, to what we think makes us a nation and just or the country and what. Um, embraces uh, an an ideology which which overseas has led to very, very many uh, bad things that I think we should be wary of. How do you distinguish between patriotism and nationalism? You know, if if nationalists are claiming some sort of vague ideal, uh, you know, patriotism is is a belief in ideals, is it not? It is. It is. Patriotism, I think, is a normal human reaction. You know, people generally like the places where they live and where they're from. Uh, They feel support for it. I mean, I love my country, I think, because it's lovable, not because I was born here. Uh, If I were born in another country, I'd want to be an American. Um, You know, I I consider patriotism to be more akin to feelings of of love or of of devotion, whereas I think nationalism is more like, um, you know, like uh, predatory. It's sort of more like uh, stalking. If if patriotism is more like love of one's country, I think nationalism is more like aggressive stalking of a vague idea about your country that leads to really bad things. Nationalism leads people to think that other countries are bad, uh, that other peoples who are foreign or less American than them are bad. Uh, Patriotism sort of uh, embraces your country, embraces the good things, uh, makes you realize it's not perfect, uh, but you think it's, uh, it's a good and decent place. And so I embrace patriotism. What I don't embrace is a nationalist 
ideology. And, and there's a good reason historically why Americans cringe at the word nationalism and why they embrace words like patriotism and ideals like patriotism. Alex Narasta directs economic and social policy studies at the Cato Institute. It is a new year, and I want to thank everyone who supported the Cato Podcast sponsor program with a gift. You can do so as well, of course. It is not too late. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor, and thank you for your generosity.